Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you, and put things like today in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC, and we'll do special call-in today. Or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right, we just had the largest absolute intraday decline in history. So I think it's safe to say two things. First, with the Dow at one point plummeting more than 1,500 points before rebounding to close down 1,175 points, which is still pretty darn horrible. S&P plunged 4.1%. NASDAQ nosed high 3.78%. I'm calling this a reset. Not a garden variety sell-off, but a reset, and it's being exacerbated by some very errant trading in some instruments that could cause huge volatility tomorrow, instruments being ETFs, and volatility being code for a dramatically lower opening than we deserve, unless buyers come in to fix the mechanical imbalance. Think of it as the terrifying process that gets us back to more reasonable levels, where we can start to have a real advance, not a parabolic move that's destined to be repealed. Okay, emphasis on terrifying. When the averages fall so far so fast, with the Dow losing more than 700 points in just 10 minutes, it shows not that stocks are bad. It shows the frailty of the stock market itself, the machines, and how beholden they are to all sorts of volatility ETFs. Oh, they trade all the time. You may not know them. They become the tails that wag the equity dog. In fact, you can see one right now in action at what we call the crawl at the bottom of the screen right underneath me. Do you see it? The key one is called the XIV. It's about a 21 and change. It's down 94 points. Well, you know that's broken. Now, there are moments where the sell orders flood in by machine, and the buy orders on the other side, also done by machine, just seem to vanish. They're pulled. But like it or not, that's how the algorithms, I hate that word because I didn't take that class. That's how they're programmed. It's how our new robot overlords operate. 
And if buyers aren't ready tomorrow, well underneath where stocks went out tonight, because of that ETF I just mentioned under our screen, the opportunities from what's called artificial selling will be missed. And I don't want you so frightened. I don't want you so panicked. Why? Because you know, go ahead, say it. Panic never made anyone a dime. Now on TV today, I called it the Pats crash instead of the flash crash. Because you know what? We're running out of names for these periodic breakdowns to frighten people away from this whole asset class that I do love so much. Plus, when in doubt, always blame the New England Patriots. I think we can get day two of the Pats crash thanks to funds that are really going to bust as I speak because of that thing that I just talked to you about under the crawl, in the crawl. But it will most likely be hidden from you because, heck, as much as I want it, I don't have any subpoena power, even after last night's Big Eagles win. But I want you to buy something into the Pats crash part two at the opening. Now, I'm going to try to help you tomorrow morning on Squawk on the Street. We're going to have more of tonight's special uh, on the sell-off. I'm talking about individual stocks that you and I know are pretty good. Look, while we were absolutely due for a decline, the velocity of this move is all about the mechanics of the market. Sellers get panicked and the buyers disappear because it's all electronic impulses programmed by math guys who wouldn't know a food stock from a semiconductor name. They probably think that chips and food are the same. On a day like today, the machine simply dumped the whole asset class because to them, it might as well be soybeans or corn. That's how meaningless the distinctions between individual companies are to these guys. But while the volatility of the move may be absurd, if not, frankly, illegal, the direction still makes sense to me. Why? For starters, for the first time since I began doing this show nearly 13 years ago, I can't find a CEO who believes his or her stock is incredibly cheap. Instead, I'm struck by their sense of wonderment about how their stocks got to these levels, or at least last week's levels, maybe Monday's levels a week ago. Sure, the fundamentals are indeed the best they've ever been, particularly because of the tax code changes. But you know what? The people I talk to are what we call business people. They know how hard it is to take market share from their opponents, how hard it is to innovate, how hard it is to beat estimates of Wall Street. How hard it is to raise forecasts. They recognize that business has its ups and downs. Vicissitudes, they call them. So they tend to think that their stock should have the same trajectory. Lifting slowly in fits and starts. They're comfortable with that. Oh, they don't trust what we call a parabolic move. Remember that class? That's back to like fourth grade. We all got that one. No, they don't understand the parabolic. The last leg of the rally was all about index fund money flooding into the S&P 500. Not the fundamentals of specific companies, which is why most CEOs find it downright baffling. Hey, when they come to me and say, what's going on with my stock? I know it'd be baffling. It's being unraveled in a vicious but ultimately constructive way. I know constructive is not a word that comes to mind, but believe me, it will be. Second, there's the bond market. Most of our advance since the generational lows in 2009 were built on the back of very low interest rates. Without competition from bonds, it's easy for stocks to roar. But when the economy kicks into high gear, which it is, rates start to rise again. As long as they were rising with low levels, oh, we weren't that worried. At a certain point, though, you reach a place, a place where good news for the economy is then bad news for the stock market. We reached that point Friday when the yield on the 10-year ticked over 2.8%, although it's since come down. It was actually much lower today. Suddenly, bonds are competitive, though. I'm not denying that. Hence the decline in the high yielders like the utilities and the real estate investment trusts. And we're fretting that the Federal Reserve may need to tighten more aggressively, putting the brakes on the economy, even though you get a few more days like today, and then brakes are not going to be put on. 
So on Friday, the sellers came for the industrials, which got hurt when the Fed raised, if they think the Fed's going to raise rates too rapidly. It's worried about inflation. That's what we're thinking. And the consumer packaged goods stocks, another group with newfound bond market competition, need to go lower before they find a new equilibrium. Of course, if rates come back down like they did today and stay down, but that was more of a flight to quality, then we're probably closer to a bottom than we realize. But I don't think we're there yet. They hit them today. They can hit them again tomorrow because of the XIV, which is now not as down as much as it was when I started the show. Third, I want to quip from something my friend Scotty Wapner mentioned when we were in Minneapolis on Friday. We don't have enough bears. That means we don't have enough skeptics. Research analysts like to have price targets so they know when to tell their clients to take profits, right? Ka-ching. But lately, when stocks broke through these targets, or even the whole market did, what did the analysts do? Did they cut? Did they say, take something off the table? No, they would just raise the targets. They didn't turn bearish. They stayed all in. And that lack of discipline has now come back to haunt them. Fourth, you need to consider your fellow shareholders. In the last three or four months, the stock market has attracted lots of newer investors. We call them newbies. After spending years on the sidelines, these people sensed that stocks were safe again. Now they find, out of nowhere, that it's otherwise. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. Not the dirty ones I have, because I was, you know, I was in the snow in Minneapolis. I got, couldn't get a shine. Do these new investors want to buy more on weakness, or do they want to cut and run? Get your, get your head around this. It's probably the latter, isn't it? These weak hands need to be washed out before they can start another rally, before we can sustain a rally. Fifth. The one leadership group we can trust when rates go higher, the banks, it took a real beating, a real whacking on Friday. Wow, right after the close. When the outgoing Fed chief, Janet Yellen, finally chastised Wells Fargo for its bad behavior. Fair enough, but people were indeed shocked. Last week, investors were thinking of how Wells might be the exactly kind of bank stock that works in this environment. Major potential for dividends, boosts, buybacks. Ooh, galore. Now it's been taken out of the game entirely. Even worse, management immediately came back with a plan that allows it to keep growing while it ameliorates the problem. Remember to Wells Fargo, just shut up and fix the darn problems. Don't tell us how you're going to get around the spirit of the ruling. Oh, and please fire your lawyers tomorrow morning because anyone who okayed this kind of advice is giving you bad advice. You know what, guys? You got what I call zero horse sense. When the regulators decide to crack down on you for violating the spirit of the law, which is exactly what got Wells in trouble in the first place, you don't double down and hope to get lucky. They are lucky. They're lucky that Yellen just retired. Her successor, Jay Powell, may not be all that pleased with this either, though. What matters, though, is that this one stock is weighing down the whole financial sector that I like so much because it's big in the ETFs for finance. Tech is the largest sector in the market, though. And, well, what needs to happen for that to stabilize? Duh. This has got to stabilize. And before it recovers, well, you know what? There's going to be more turmoil. But, look, the company did give a weaker-than-expected forecast. so That's why it's come down at 156. Then there's Amazon, which roared on Friday after reporting a great quarter. Today, that stock gave back all of its gains. I think it's a buy. But if even Amazon can't go higher, it's not, it's, it's not that a good a sign. Finally, we have no leadership group that looks ready to bottom and rebound yet. We do need that. Let me tell you what happens. I've had a lot of big sell-offs since 79. Big sell-offs don't end until a leadership team emerges. One or two sectors that have turned around. Without some generals, we got nobody worth following. Once the generals step up, 
I'll tell you then it's safe to start buying a little more aggressively. Here's the bottom line. For now, you have to understand that this market ran up too far too fast and was due for a decline, which is being exacerbated by these doomsday machines that seem to do nothing but create chaos and make it so the asset class doesn't feel any good for you or for me. And that's why last week I told you to raise cash. And today, though, it's getting too late to sell. And if we get another move down, a second Pat's crash, it will create too many juicy bargains to ignore. So you can buy some stock tomorrow in high-quality companies that you like at prices a lot lower than you've seen in all of 2018. Let's go to Gil in Wyoming. Gil. Uh, Jim, congratulations on the, to the Eagles Nation there. Great win. Thank you. Hey, on Thank the closing you. Bill, on, you bet. On the closing bell today, you mentioned the hey, we're great attitude of some companies. Uh, do you remember that? I was, I've been with a company for 34 years that I think fits that, Exxon Mobil. My question to you is, should I take my 34 years of stock accumulation and retire with some tax advantages? Or can you get new CEO Darren Woods on your show to help this one-time Kramer favorite to help right this kind of wobbling ship a little uh, bit there. You know, I got to tell you, Gil, let's, let's take a longer-term perspective on a great American company with a 50-year plan and an unbelievable balance sheet and almost a 4% yield. Not only would I not touch that stock, I am telling you, even though I'm not a fossil fuel guy anymore because I think the new generation's starting to buy stocks and they don't like them, in the 70s, Exxon, don't count me out. Don't, I'd say count me in. Hey, why don't we go to Brandon in New York? Brandon. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Big a big congratulations to you and your Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia well, Eagles. Well, you know, they had more to do with it than I, with, I did, but I always, I'll always take a little credit. <laughs> Why not? I actually met you once at Bar San Miguel where you signed my copy of Getting Rich Carefully. Thanks again for that and for taking my call today. On its recent earnings call, the CEO of SiriusXM announced that video would be coming to the Howard Stern Show in Q2. Does this make the stock a buy, sell, or a hold? What makes the stock a buy is actually uh, cars. Uh, it's being, you put it in cars, people love it. It was not obviated by the cell phone like a lot of people felt. Six bucks, I like it. I told some fellow on the way to the bus in Minneapolis. He said, thank you for serious. I said, what, you sell it? He goes, no, I'm holding on to it. I said, stay that way. Listen up, stocks ran up too far too fast. The decline, well, we were due, creates an opportunity after you let these stupid VIX instruments blow up. Expect lower openings because of that and be ready. Man Money tonight, I'm taking a closer look at what happened during this brutal sell-off. We're not done with it. Telling you the best way to play the markets going forward. Yeah, I actually see some opportunity. Plus, I know this quadruple-digit drop is scary, but we're going to get through this. Don't we always? I mean, come on. I'm opening up the phone lines. Take all of your questions and concerns in a very special sell-off strategy session. Triple S. And looking for opportunity? I have exclusive with the uh, CEO of CY. Speaking of chips, find out if it's ripe for the picking. I say stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Don't 
darn voices kill me all that screaming at that Eagles game. Anyway, when the market goes into a tailspin, it's important to know why, so we can help each other together. Now that Dow's lost 1,800 points in two days, a lot of it today being mechanical, because of some busted ETFs that failed to work because of order imbalances related to the VIX, you know, that volatility index. We need to ponder what set off this decline, though, for real. And what, if anything, has been able to hold up better than the rest of the market in the face of waves and waves of selling so we can profit from it? Hey, it's okay to try. We always have. So let's get our heads around what started this whole mess, which, along with what we talked about at the top of the show, can help you figure out if you're comfortable owning stocks here. Maybe they're not for you. First of all, and I hate to sound glib here, but as I said earlier, we were due for a decline. We just were. Markets do not go up in a straight line. Yet from the close of election night in 2016 to the close last Thursday, the S&P 500 had run up an astounding 32 percent without skipping a beat. That's pretty historic. Now, on average, a 5 percent pullback happens at least three times a year. As of today, we're down about 8 percent from the market's high on January 26. Although, obviously, I think that was a little inflated. Despite the large, scary red numbers you see on your screen, the truth is that these things happen. You've got to be ready for them. You've got to be ready for them at all times. You want an analogy that's going to upset 40, uh, one state and make 49 other feel good? The market's like the New England Patriots. They've won a lot of championships, but sooner or later, their streak had to end. The only difference is that I hate seeing the stock market lose because that hurts you, the regular person, trying to save for tuition, retirement, vacations, most important, health care. All the stuff I try to help you augment on the show, doing my best. Look, let's remember that as recently as two weeks ago, commentators were coming on our air constantly and telling you that investors would welcome a pullback. They said the market had gotten too high, too stretched, too whatever. Well, we've gotten the darn pullback, haven't we? But it's so rapid that the welcoming committee, well, they got frightened away. Second, beyond the fact that we were due, what were the proximate causes of this nosedive coming into today? Oh, I mentioned a lot of these factors at the top. Excessive bullishness, rising interest rates, failure of major leadership groups, your fellow shareholders turning against you. But you know what? It was really Europe that got the ball rolling. When I woke up on Friday morning, I knew we were set up for a rough day based on the weakness we were seeing in Europe. And that carries over, even though you and I know it shouldn't. By the time trading started on the, this side of the Atlantic, the major European bourses had all been slammed. Something that I think is going to repeat itself tonight. For instance, I expect Japan to start selling off pretty hard. And then it goes global as the machines are programmed to sell off each other, regardless of how the economies are so different, and certainly the governments. Third, there's the interest rate issue that I mentioned earlier, but it's got to be really understood because it's the driver. This was probably the largest single driver of the, of the decline Friday and of a fear of a decline today. When rates get too high, money managers start worrying that investors will swap out of stocks and into bonds. One's got a lot of risk, the former, the latter much less. On Friday, the yield in the 10-year, that's the U.S. Treasury, that's the risk-free asset, went north of 2.8%. Today, continued higher, hitting 2.8% until dropping rapidly in the afternoon is what we had what's called a flight to safety. Now, keep in mind, this is up from around 2% in September. Big percentage gain. The reason? Well, we got a fabulous jobs report on Friday. In particular, we saw a 2.9% increase in wages. That's the highest year-over-year increase since 2009. I can't stress the importance of this enough because it seems like people are thinking inflation's back. Higher wages, I find, are terrific for people who work for a living. 
But wage inflation is scary to investors, particularly rich investors, by the way. It's okay, because it means the Federal Reserve might be forced to tighten more aggressively than we'd be expecting, and the value of their stocks in the out years will be worth less. Again, I think the economy can handle four rate hikes this year. But if the Fed gets more aggressive under Jay Powell, it's not unreasonable to worry that too many tightenings could hit the brakes on this economy, particularly on housing, by the way. Put the weakness in Europe together with surging bond yields, and Friday was going to be awful no matter what. Awfulness that continued today. But to make matters worse, we got some high-profile earnings disappointments, too. Namely, Alpha, Apple, which was really about forward thinking. The quarter itself was magnificent. And Alphabet, which was really about former thinking, backwards, because the quarter itself was less than expected. Uh, two large, some of the two largest companies on earth. I say ouch. However, the worst hit segment of the market on Friday was the energy space. The price of crude got slammed. Exxon and Mobil reported, uh, well, Exxon reported a, an ugly quarter. Chevron delivered better numbers, but its stock still got hurt. It's been up too, hard, too high. That group is just being crushed here, which is a sign that some investors are genuinely worried about a recession. I don't see one. And I have to tell you what else I don't see. If we're having inflation, I don't see a recession, okay? It doesn't work like that. Now, it didn't help that we suddenly had to start worrying about Washington again with the release of the so-called Nunez memo. I have a hard time caring about this stuff, as you know, because it's not about there's not mad politics here. We got whole we got whole stations devoted to that. But it creates uncertainty whenever we were fretting about whether the FBI director will resign or the president will pull some sort of Saturday Night Massacre. I'm old enough to remember that one, but you can Google it and fire uh, Rod Rosenstein in order to stop the Mueller, invest- the Mueller investigation. This matters because the president has linked himself to the stock market, which is great for stocks when they go well, but obviously represents an added vulnerability when they start tanking. <laughs> if a Trump presidency is a referendum on stocks, then the last thing you want to see is a snowballing investigation. Now, whenever the whole market gets obliterated like this, I always think it's a good idea to search for what's actually working, meaning the stocks that have managed to hold up or even rally in spite of a horrible tape because the companies are doing so well. Any stock that could hold its own here, well, that must have something going for it. First, Amazon. After reporting a stellar quarter Thursday night, Amazon stock tacked on nearly 40 points into the just tsunami of selling on Friday. Now, the company delivered an incredible quarter, driven by strength in retail, web services, Alexa, advertising. In in any other market, this stock would have been up 100, maybe 150 points. Today, though, Amazon gave up every penny it gained on Friday. Okay, not a good sign. We wanted it as a leader, but maybe a chance to buy. We also have some special situations. I'm just going to pick one because I just need you to know how hedge fund managers think. And it's, an, it's, a, it, it, it's one that's not top of mind. But International Paper and West Rock, they had really good moves on Friday. Remember, I'm looking for stocks that went up into a big sell-off, gave back their gains today. The reason, a combination of consolidation, West Rock is buying Capstone. We've had them on the show. And the fact that the paper stocks are cyclical that haven't run nearly as much as, say, the chemicals or other industrials. And while uh, West Rock and International Paper did get hit hard today, that's the kind of special situation I write down. I do all this stuff for uh, ActionAlertsPlus.com Club. I say, oh, this could be interesting. This could be interesting. You know, you take 100 interesting names, you boil it down to 10, you got three good ones. Finally, while the major, the major bank stocks got slammed on Friday, got hit again today. Now, this could be a baby with the bathwater situation. Wells is getting obliterated. That's Wells Fargo. But remember what caused the sell-off. Higher rates. Guess who benefits the most from higher rates? The banks. Plus, Wells Fargo's in the penalty box again, which makes Bank of America, which has the largest deposit base in the country, Citi, and J.P. Morgan all the more attractive. You know what? Into any sort of downdraft tomorrow, 
You ought to do this. Bye, bye, bye. Okay? Particularly with J.P. Morgan Fortress balance sheet there. I hope they go lower. I know that sounds badly, but give you a chance. The financial ETF has Wells Fargo in it, and that's dragging down the whole complex. That's probably not done either. Uh, although Wells, Wells though, uh, is a broken company for now. The others are just broken stocks. Oh, and it's for investment banks. I'm starting to like Goldman Sachs. They've been plagued by weak trading revenue because the market wasn't volatile enough. Suddenly, we got volatility in spades. Well, you know what that means? Sell, sell, sell. Goes to. Buy, buy, buy. Here's the bottom line. Harsh sell-offs are miserable to live through. You and I will do this together, but they are unavoidable. They are part of investing. This one was long overdue. As long as you can stop yourself from panicking, you will do well. And remember, the panic this time is being caused by the hidden and busted volatility ETFs that are breaking down as I talk to you. And we'll be able to identify the opportunities that are being created, like the bank stocks away from Wells, while also spotting the winners who refuse to quit even when the market's down more than 1,000 points, like Amazon, I think, is going to refuse to quit. If this is how it trades in a bad market, imagine what that stock will do when things stabilize. Oh, newsflash, things do stabilize. They always do. Much more mad money ahead. It sure looks scary out there, but I've got your back, Kramer. The phone lines are open for a special sell-off strategy session. Hey, we still do interact, you know? Why not? The show's for you. Then in this sea of red, it's key to find stocks that work. Could it be worth eyeing Cypress Semiconductor? They had about the best growth in the whole industry. So let's bring on the CEO. Then gridiron grit. The lessons the Philadelphia Eagles, the new world champions, can teach us about investing in a troubled market where you feel like you're the underdog. Stick with Kramer. Hey, listen, after the Dow's brutal sell-off, the rest of the market, too. I know you're scared and you're seeing crazy things like this XIV trading tonight down some huge amount. And you're thinking, what the heck is that? Well, that's going to cause problems tomorrow. It's 11 bucks. It's down 104. The mechanics of the market could be scary, as they were today, because of a blow-up in that, that instrument I just mentioned. Now, I told you on Friday it's not the end of the world. This market is going to keep getting harder. But it is not impossible to navigate. Today was real ugly. But we are in this together. And I'm here to answer your questions and help wrap our heads around the patch crash. So stop panicking. It's starting to really bug me. Let's go to Scott in Pennsylvania. Scott. Jim, big green booyah to you. Great win by a great team and a great game yesterday. And great coach, great owner, great team, great players. They are one. It's so great to see something be one. How can I help? You got it. First of all, thanks for helping us not panic in times like this. It's easy to do, but... Just the right thing to do right now is just to be patient. We didn't panic in 2007, 2008. We're going to get through this one. Oh, the worst thing that happened here is the market's so high. So go ahead. You got it. That being said, as the average investor, which we all know and love, you cater to us, and we appreciate that for all you teach us. What are some of the signs, some of the markers for us to look for to see that the haircut that we underwent today and the selling is starting to come to an end and possibly enter, uh, give us a chance to enter and maybe do some nibbling at good quality companies and stocks? Well, I, I'm so glad you asked that, Scott, because uh, when Karen and Kramer and I traded together, we always noticed that the market bottoms in thirds. And the, it, it pretty much tells you what's going to happen. That's what we like to do. 
We never like to outthink. We're not so smart that we can outthink a market. Market's always brighter than we are. So you'll see a third bottom. And you know what? We don't know which one yet. I think it's going to be the financials at the bottom. And then I think it's going to be the health cares. Why? Because I think the, the financials are down because of Wells today. Uh, the health cares have really been beaten up. You get some stability. How do we know stability? Okay, well, first of all, don't ever bite at the opening. All right, if the opening's tomorrow weirdly up because of some problem that we don't even know, and I say problem because there's a lot of stuff going on tonight, don't bite. Let it come in. Now, here's what you need to know. This is really important. Get your clock out tomorrow, Scott, because the market tends to bottom intraday between 11 and 2.30. But if it doesn't rally, then there's a lot of forced selling that comes from margin clerks. So quarter of three is make or break. So if you want to buy a little, don't buy the opening. Wait till 11 when Europe is closing. And be sure not to buy all of it because at 2.30, we'll find out whether it's going to hold. If it doesn't, we're going to have to wait to the next day to buy a little more. But that's the clock. You got it. We pioneered it. I gave it to you. Sal in New York. Sal. Hey, booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Booyah, buddy. Hey, I love that you just told us that time to buy. That's, uh, that's a big help to me because I try to time it every day and there's just or, no way to do it. But re- remember, Sal, if we're thinking long term, like 401k... Yeah, man. You know, what am I going to tell you? This is I when know, you go to work. You get this break. I usually do 401k. I was doing it uh, one every month, uh, 12 straight months. But if we ever had a break of 10% or more, I put right. four months of money in at work. That always worked for me. So go, I'm getting too old to contribute. I got to start uh, thinking I'm, about I'm taking it out. You, so uh, well, go ahead. we're in the same boat. But Henry Schein is my question. I have a big position in Henry Schein, and it's, it's probably about 15% of my portfolio. And I'm wondering if. I should sell a little bit now and put it in something that's possibly got a little bit more momentum uh, in the future. And we're not crazy about momentum. And momentum Uh is for suckers at certain points. You and me, were too old. We're more Verizon and ATT people. We need a little dividend. Hey, listen, J&J comes down more. We got a good dividend going there. Obviously, you look at Procter, it goes below 80. So let's be careful. Henry Schein, you're going to cut that down to 10% of your portfolio. Henry Schein's going to come in because it's a little high price earnings multiple. You know we have uh, Stanley on there all the time. But it's got a dental division. Dental's gotten very tough. You know, people don't have as bad teeth as they used to like you and me. And that's hurting their business. So let's be careful. Let's cut that down a little. And then we're going to go to Dave. Dave in Illinois. I haven't heard from Dave in about 36 hours. Dave. Hey, Dr. Kramer. So, Jim, help me understand, which is the more dominant source of pain today, being an equity investor or being a loyal Patriots fan? Well, I cannot. Their time has come. Boy, that last minute. Remember, your, your defense doesn't have to play well for 59 minutes if it shows up for the last minute. Jim Schwartz, good coach. So anyway, how can I help you? I couldn't agree with you more. Jim, the two-year, 10-year yield curve is steepening. The 10-year Treasury, as you know, hit a four-year high, yielding 2.85% last right. week. Having said that, concerns of recession have faded. But the speed of the yield rise is concerning as it creates imbalances that equity markets must react to quickly. Fueled by the surprise upside in wages in last Friday's non-farm payrolls report, inflation expectations are on the rise. So, Jim, do you see even more upward pressure on bond yields sufficient to trigger a rotation out of equities and into bonds? Okay, see, Dave, the tenure went out at 27 you know, when I was talking with Scott Wapner and the Nishariens, everybody else out there in Minnesota, we were hoping that it would get to, say, 
maybe 3.1, and then we could bottom. This thing seems like a way station still to go to three. So I tell you, Dave, it's not our friends. The bonds are not our friends. And if the, uh, the flight to quality leaves, we'll go back to 2.8. We'll have more selling. So let's keep an eye on them. Let's not be paralyzed. Them. I made a lot of money when interest rates were 14%. So let's, uh, uh, let's not make it be the end of the world. How about Randy in Ohio, please, Randy? Jim, I got a, a two-part question for you. The first thing is President Trump recently said he plans on adding an additional $1.6 trillion in defense spending. And with Boeing, uh, Boeing announced a huge $18 billion buyback. They pay a huge dividend in two days. Analysts are raising price targets. Merrill just raised it up to 470 And uh, kind of curious when you think uh, Boeing will rally back. And, and the second thing is, is you know, I'm hearing that the market is tanking because rates. Do you really think that President Trump, a real estate guy, is going to allow the Fed to raise rates three to four times and kill the stock market and kill all the real estate sales? Jeez, I'll tell you, um, I am hopeful that the president uh, observes the independence of the Fed and Jay Powell uh, and doesn't do that. And in the meantime, while I think the interest rates are, are going to, you know, I think that they can continue to go higher, uh, I'm not going to flee this market. I'm going to take a look at individual stocks that aren't impacted and maybe do some buying and be better. How about the ones that are impacted positively? All right, I got your back, Kramerica. All of us at CNBC do. Let me just throw it on the defense stocks. I recommend a stock today for action alerts. I think any of, any of the big four defense are real good. We're going to cover them later this week, which is why I don't want you to miss tonight's special. We got a thing called Markets and Turmoil. It's at 7 o'clock. It's with Kelly Evans and Bill Griffith. You know I'm going to join that, right? I mean, hey, as long as my voice holds out. Now, I want you to stick with CNBC, stick with Kramer. Why don't I just do a gratuitous reference? Stick with the Eagles. When the market gets annihilated, I really don't know what else to call this action other than a patch crash. You need to stay calm. I know this goes against every instinct you have. Human beings are frail. But when stocks are plummeting back to earth, it helps to search for companies that you know are in very good shape. Well, because they just told you they're in good shape. Take Cypress Semi CYs, the maker of programmable systems on a chip. Low-power semiconductors with many different applications, along with chips for touchscreens, microcontrollers, appliances, Internet of Things, memberships to the auto market, and what's known as SRAM, static random access memory. Cypress just reported an excellent quarter on Thursday night, a nice top and bottom line beat. But because it's a supplier of some very important cell phone parts and Wall Street disliked Apple's quarter, the stock ended up doing nothing. Granted, there was a pretty good performance for Friday, although today it got tossed to the woodchopper and fell uh, 8.5%. Should you view this as an opportunity to put money to work, maybe stay away? Let's check in with Hassan El Khoury. He's the CEO of Cypress Semiconductor. Hear more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Khoury, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me back. All right, let's get it straight. There are people right now who are saying that the economy has gotten too hot. There are people saying that there is a big sell-off in semiconductors because demand has cooled. Your guidance, how did you describe the demand environment? During our uh, call, we described it as strong. Uh, we have no reason to uh, be concerned for 2018 based on what the outlook is from uh, not just us, but also our customers. Uh, just look at the results. Look at 2017. Look at the guide. Look at the fundamentals. It's all pointing in the same direction. Let's make sure. 
people should understand it's not just one product that's doing well, right, sir? That's right. I mean, our automotive outgrew the automotive market. You know, the number of uh, units grew two, two and a half percent. We grew 16 percent, our auto, which is one of our biggest focus markets. Consumer uh, outgrew, industrial outgrew. I mean, look at our IoT connectivity. Everything is getting connected. That grew 46 percent from an annualized Q4 16. 46 percent. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that twice because, frankly, it's astonishing. And what, I really, what really bothers me, sir, is that there are people on a day like today who literally are saying, well, wait a second, autos are slowing, so it's got to be bad for Cyprus. But first, you're taking more and more content in the car. And second, I can't believe you're seeing any slowing of orders in auto. That's right. I mean, I've always said we're not, uh, you know, Im impacted by, by the SAR. So even a SAR of 2%, which is, again, look at the last decade, it's been 2 to 3%. Our story is content. We're in the content where the content is growing every year. We're in ADAS, we're in body, we're in infotainment, we're in connected cars. All of these have double-digit growth. We play in those, that's why we're growing. One of the things I love about your quarter, and you would uh, indulge me in this because you don't go into it the way I would have, but there is a personalization going on in how people listen to music and how people make their homes. Are you not integral to this personalization? Absolutely. You know, when people get in the car, they want to get the same experience as they do at home, in front of their computer, their tablet, or any consumer device. You want to get in the car, you want your phone to be connected, you want your media streaming, you want the media to stream from the front to the back so your kids can watch. That's what we enable. That's what people are buying car because of that experience. And also, wearables are doing well for you. Absolutely. You know, we introduced a new, uh, new platform, new platform specifically designed for wearable, and more importantly, connected wearables. Ultra low power, you know, we're talking about seven-day battery life. You know, I, I am astonished at how well you're doing. Look, I always like Cypress. I was always hoping you get all the breakouts. Every breakout is, now is happening. It's amazing that your stock did not go up big. But then again, we have to deal with the stock market. But I want to thank you, Mr. O'Quirk, for coming on and putting it in context. We do not have enough people who understand that things are very good out there, but the stock market is broken. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. That's Hassan El Khoury. He's the CEO of Cypress Semi. Look, his stock should have been up big. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. We have to look for opportunities where some, some company is doing so well, but the stock gets slammed anyway. We have money's back in for the It is time. It's time for the light room. Quick right here. Robert Goldsworth. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Because we're going to start with Ryan in Florida. Ryan. Booyah, Jim. How are you doing? I couldn't be better. How about you, Ryan? Doing well and looking at CRISPR Therapeutics. Uh, come on, man. That's way too special. Look, you want to go down path? Why don't you buy Regeneron? It's down huge for the year, and it's a great company. Let's go to you can buy J and J for that matter. Let's go to Garrett in Massachusetts. Garrett. Hey, Kramer. Yeah. Well, medium to long-term growth, how do you like A.O. Smith, A.O.S.? I don't like it for long-term growth. I like it because it's a good manufacturing company. But no, not long-term growth. Long-term growth is going to be a company, company like a J&J, &J, just to use that analogy because it's got a triple-A balance sheet. 
Let's go to Richard in Wisconsin. Richard. Hey, thank you, Jim, for taking my call. Congratulations to your Eagles. I was rooting for them only because I beat my Vikings. But uh, my stock is electro-scientific. Well, you got look, you in that stock. You got to understand that's a trading stock. When you go up ten percent on that, you go, and then when you go down ten percent, you buy. Okay, that's a trading vehicle. That's all it is. Bill in New Jersey, Bill. Mister Kramer, longtime follower and a neighbor in Peapack Gladstone. Been on your Veterans Day show, and my grandson and I, my grandson who bought his first share of stock at twelve. I have a question about XL, E-X-E-L. Very good spec. I, if, you, if you have to do a spec, I'll accept that one. I think they've got good technology. Why don't we go to Jack in Connecticut? Jack. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Congrats on the game. Hey, oh, my, thanks, uh, year, My 86-year-old mom has a bunch of shares, a couple hundred shares of Anthem. And with well, the, your 86-year-old uh, mom's got genuine horse sense because that's a terrific stock to own. Let me throw in United Health for a twofer. How about we go to Joshua in Nevada? Joshua. Booyah, Jim. Greetings from Las Vegas. Uh, I've been a follower of you since uh, the 90s when you were uh, on the radio in Los Angeles. Sure, real money. What's up? They had a bullock quarter. What's the stock? T-A-T-A. They had a bullock quarter. I bought some right after the... Tableau Data? Tableau Software? Okay, this is precisely the kind of stock I want to buy. Why? They just reported a monster good quarter. And when that comes down, that is a buy. And I'm really glad you brought it to us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. The best fans from the greatest city on earth, Philadelphia. Fly, Eagles, fly. How about the Eagles and Nick Foles? Now, that's the kind of question that I wanted. Congrats on the Eagles win. One to go. One to go. We're not done yet. Hey, what up, Jim? Booyah! Hey, Jim. Thanks for coming and speaking to us at the beginning of the season. We're here because of you, bro. Booyah! The Philadelphia Eagles. Super Bowl champions. Fly, Eagles, fly. When the stock market turns against you, it's important not to give in to despair. I've said it a million times, panic is not a strategy. But how do you overcome this kind of adversity? In all honesty, you could learn a lot from the Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles, a team I've had the privilege to get to know and even address this past summer. No, I'm not bringing this up so I can shoehorn the fabulous victory that I I had the good fortune to see in person with my wife, Lisa, who put up with my antics. I bring it up because it's pertinent. As the season went on, you could see that this team was different. It was special. And in the end, they showed you exactly how an underdog can triumph in the face of adversity. Isn't that what we have right now in the stock market? First, understand that if you're facing an uphill battle like the Eagles had against a true dynasty, the Patriots, you have to prepare better than they do. You have to plan more than the other guy. You need to practice over and over again because in the heat of the moment, on the field, you can't afford to get distracted by the greatest venue on earth or the most talented and awe-inspiring opponent imaginable. So when a fabulous quarterback, Nick Foles, actually goes out for a pass, that's right, goes to catch one, the gambit works because they practice it endlessly and endlessly and could execute the whole play by rote. The lesson, when you're in a dogfight like the more challenging market we have right now, be sure you're ready, ready with plays that you can put on even when you're freaking out. 
Do you have your scheme ready for tomorrow morning, your shopping list of stocks you want to buy when things come down? Work on it tonight, will you? The moment of panic is your moment to pick them up, not to run from. Don't shy away from the plan. Days like today are the whole reason you have a plan in the first place. Second, take some risks. One of the main reasons the Eagles triumphed is that head coach Doug Peterson, who's so great, and offensive coordinator Frank Reich, who's so smart, recognized that what looked risky, a fourth and one, is actually a time when you don't want to give up the football because it's an opportunity. You have to go for it. Seize the day. Have faith in your judgment. So if you have a risky-looking stock, say a real wild trader, Adobe, ServiceNow, Tableau Software, this may be the ideal time to buy it, even if it seems terrifying. Buying high-quality stocks in high-risk situations that are almost erasing intraday, right? They're crashing intraday. Makes a ton of sense, even if it's someone, something that no one expects you to do. Take some risks. Third, get your head in the game, darn it. You make a mistake or you get some bad luck, think about it. Franchise quarterback Carson Wentz goes down. You don't moan and groan and say, woe is me. Be like the Eagles. Get back up from the turf. Get your head in the game. That's what Foles did. No matter what, no woulda, shoulda, coulda. You don't control the luck. You do control the design. Treat your stocks like the brilliant Howie Roseman. He's the executive vice president of football operations for the Eagles. He treats his players. He knows what to do. He lets go of the weaker ones so you can pick up the stronger ones to upgrade your portfolio. Man, that guy is smart. He's doing portfolio diversification with the team. Above all, stay humble. Anytime you think you're winning because of your inherent genius, Oh, you're going to make mistakes. The humble, decent leader that is Coach Peterson may want to take no prisoners, TNP coach, but he knows that a lot of it comes down to luck, so he's never cocky. Owner Jeff Lee Laurie, a good man filled with humanity. He gave me that seat. That's where my dad sat at at Lincoln Financial. He knows to thank his mom and his late dad for success. Oh, and let me do the same. You hate to see a grown man cry unless he's from Philadelphia and has suffered through many a loss and nary a Super Bowl win like this. As I did on Twitter, we all have our totems. We all can see that last night was destiny versus dynasty, and we all believe, quite falsely, of course, that we can influence the luck that often separates victory from defeat. Unless, that is, you're wearing the Eagles veterans jacket of my late pop who didn't live to see a winning Super Bowl, which is how I did my key part to make sure that Gronk doesn't pull down the Hail Mary and Nick Foles secures that glorious touchdown pass. Remember, after Mad Money, don't go anywhere. Special tonight, 7, Marcus and Turmoil. You don't want to miss it. Mad Money's back in football. Don't move. Starting right now, a CNBC special report. Marcus and Turmoil. Stay tuned. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.